I'm gonna switch it up for y'all a little bit. You know why? It's hurricane season. The new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami. Surge, surge. The new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami. All right, welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast. We have a special uh, episode, bonus episode that we're uh, doing right now. Got Chris Vanini uh, from The Athletic on the line with me. Chris, of course, does a wonderful job uh, covering the group of five schools as well as helping us out with our coaching carousel. And and we're here, obviously, to talk about the latest news regarding the Miami Hurricanes, um, the hiring of a new uh, offensive coordinator from SMU, Rhett Lashley and and uh, of course Chris, you you've got uh, to know Rhett pretty well, I guess over uh, over the last couple of years uh, there in Dallas. You're based out of Dallas, uh, gone gone over to SMU quite a bit. Um, what kind of offensive coordinator did the Miami Hurricanes have? Yeah, I I, I was around SMU quite a bit for the past two years, and uh, Rhett you know Rhett Lashley had control of this SMU offense, which was one of the best in the country. I I know Sonny Dykes has an air raid background and he was certainly involved a little bit, but it, it was Rhett Lashley calling the plays and doing everything like this. And um, yeah, I, Sonny expected that Rhett would get a lot of interest, especially after the year they had this year. And, and uh, I think it's certainly a, a solid pickup for Manny Diaz there. Lashley's 36 years old, former walk-on quarterback at Arkansas, uh, 2006 grad. And he's, he's been an offensive coordinator now for eight seasons uh, obviously, we mentioned the last two at SMU, but before that, uh, he was at Connecticut for a year. He was with Auburn for four years, um, also at Arkansas State, um, and and I think Samford before that. So he he's been around the block quite a bit, and really, I mean, the biggest influence on him uh, was Gus Malzahn at Auburn. Uh, he was part of that national championship winning team in in 2010 with Cam Newton. Um, you know, Miami's traditionally played a pro-style offense. Manny Diaz made it pretty clear he wanted to change and go to the spread because Miami kind of had to get with the times, and, and they are pretty terrible this season offensively under Dan Enos. How hard is it to make a switch in your mind, Chris? You've been around the game a bit. How hard is it to make this switch to the spread, to this up-tempo attack um, when, when you've played in an entirely different format? You've seen other coaches and programs go through this, I'm sure. Yeah, it generally just comes down to the the talent you have. A lot of these guys, when they're in high school, play those types of offenses. It's interesting. You mentioned that that Rhett was uh, obviously he's been very close with Gus Malzahn for a very long time, and he was the offense coordinator under Gus. But they kind of went back and forth on who was calling plays and whatnot. And and, and when it became clear that um, Rhett wasn't really going to be able to run the offense himself. He, he made a surprising move, and he left Auburn to be the offensive coordinator at UConn um, because he wanted an offense that, that he could run by himself. And his his one year there, the overall numbers weren't great, but it was, it was quite a big improvement from the previous year he took over when it was one of the worst in the country. He then goes to SMU for two years and, uh, get, again, has control of an offense and now is back at, at the Power 5 level. So it, it's been an interesting path for him. You know, Gus Malzahn, that, that type of offense that is, is a lot of um, running uh, a- emphasis, but SMU was huge in the passing game this year. Shane Bouchelle passed, passed for nearly 4,000 yards. Uh, they had uh, two, three receivers go over 700 yards, but they also had a 1,200-yard a rusher um, and another guy who had 
500 yards. So they, they, they really spread it around uh, to a lot of different guys if, if, if they have the talent there. And really just com- comes down to what kind of uh, talent you have and, and certainly, as Miami fans know, what kind of quarterback you have. And uh, the, the first year at SMU, it was – some good and bad, you know. Ben Hicks wasn't wasn't the best fit for that offense, but then Shane Bouchelle transferred in from Texas and was a great fit, and, and off they went this year. So, um, obviously, the coordinator is huge, but just as important as making sure you have the right guy at quarterback. Yeah, and and obviously that's a huge deal for Miami. They've got uh, Jaron Williams, Nikosi Perry, and Tate Martell on the roster. Uh, recently signed a four-star quarterback uh, out of Connecticut who's going to be coming in, and Tyler Van Dyke. He'll be here for spring football. But I do know that they have certainly kicked the tires uh, on on finding a graduate transfer quarterback. And Jamie Newman, who um, just, you know, announced that he's going to be leaving Wake Forest earlier this week. I know Oregon's uh, considered the front runner, I think. Um, But Miami coaches have reached out to him. I can say that with certainty, and they are kicking the tires, and we'll have to see if maybe this hiring of Lashley uh, convinces uh, a kid like Jamie Newman to come to Miami and come play quarterback because ultimately um, if you're going to be successful, like you said, running a spread offense and, and playing this up-tempo style, you're going to need the right kind of trigger man. And, I, you know, Jaron Williams, Kosi Perry both played in spread systems in high school struggled obviously here at Miami uh, in a pro style offense maybe they can resurrect their careers but I think I think Miami's looking for new blood at that quarterback position ultimately and that's probably what's going to end up happening here and then um, you know you mentioned the success that he had this past season just just to run off some of these numbers 40 42 points per game nearly seventh out of a 130 FBS teams 81 offensive plays per game uh, they rank ninth in total offense. And really the, the thing that Manny Diaz, I'm told, really likes about this offense is the fact that it is balanced and, and there is a big emphasis on the run. SMU ran the ball uh, 534 times this season, threw it 503. And Miami's best players, you could argue, are running backs uh, and not receivers, especially the way those guys struggled this season uh, picking up Danny Nose's offense. Uh, Miami's got Cam Harris coming back. They've got two four-star incoming uh, recruits and Donald Cheney, who's playing in the U.S. Army game, uh, and Jalen Knighton, who was supposed to play uh, in last night's Under Armour game and didn't because of the death of his teammate Bryce Gowdy at, at the Georgia Tech recruit. So I think the fact that, uh, that this coach is so, uh, I guess, comes out of the Mazan system that that runs the ball effectively, um, that's really what uh, attracted Manny Diaz and you know, we'll see how we'll see how uh, it shakes out in year number one. But I know Miami's definitely excited to have a new coordinator. I know the fans are definitely excited to have a new coordinator, and um, hopefully, this this springboards Miami back uh, it, towards their winning ways. It's 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 crazy to think that you know just a couple of years ago they were ten and zero and ranked number two in the country, and have now lost sixteen of their last twenty nine. As an observer from afar, Chris, I wonder what what is, what's been your reaction to seeing. Miami sort of fall apart here after where they were with Mark Rick just a couple years ago. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, obviously you guys know that it wasn't like a preseason number two where they were a fraud. That was like, that was in November that they were ranked number two. They were undefeated uh, up to that point. So that, that was a legitimate number two ranking, even just based on how things have fallen out. I, I think it's just, you know, the, the, the way things ended with Mark Rick rehiring Manny Diaz, paying $4 million buyout when he was on your staff just a couple years prior, just kind of, 
I think the way things ended with Rick kind of carried over into a bumpy start uh, with with Manny and you know because he he obviously did a very very good job as as the defense coordinator there and it, it made perfect sense to promote him but uh, sometimes the timing of these things is is always interesting something that um, you just mentioned there about Lashley is the tempo you know eighty. 80.5 or 81 yards plays per game, which I think it might have been number two in the country. I, I tweeted this out earlier, but when I, that first spring at SMU, um, Sonny Dykes let me hang around for a, a lot of meetings and stuff throughout that first offseason. I, I was putting together a series on what it's like for a new staff to take over a new team. And one of those days in, in spring practice, or bef- right before spring practice, I, I spent a day with the the off uh, with the offensive coaches and the offensive meeting and Rhett Lashley was going over a lot of the the drills that he wanted to run and one of them I, I found really interesting it was you you have four plays to get into the end zone and the players if they score a touchdown they they're required to celebrate and then they have to sprint to the sideline so the extra <laughs> point team can go it was just it was an emphasis about that tempo and he said he said to the, the coaches in the room. The, these things that they think are stupid, we're going to really push on it because these things matter. And and throughout this drill, you know, you do one play, and right as the play ends, you're looking to the sideline for the next play. So a guy makes a catch, gets tackled, goes down. First thing he's doing is looking. you got to look to the sideline right away. And he, he showed examples of certain drills where, where guys were a little bit slow to look to the sideline and they missed the play. And so I imagine that, for, you know, the, this first set of spring practice, when it comes in, that's going to be drilled into everybody is, is moving, moving, moving plays over. You're looking at the sideline, you're scoring a touchdown, you're getting to the, getting, getting to the sideline. And um, uh, that, that's something that obviously comes from his time with Gus Malzahn, that emphasis on tempo. And I would, if there's one thing I expect out of Lashley's offenses at Miami, it's that they're going to go very, very fast. Yeah, Danny Enos, I think, uh, ran uh, the no huddle only 7% of the time that he ran Miami's offense. And and ultimately, that's what Manny Diaz, that's part of the change Manny Diaz really wanted. He feels like getting defenses exhausted, uh, you know, screwing them up when they're trying to make switches and, and, and change personnel on the field is really um, the benefit of this up-tempo style. And I'm interested to see how it works. Miami's never, you know, it's always been the pro-style traditional offense, even you know, when you go back to the Dennis Erickson days uh, when they were winning national championships with Dennis, um, yeah, they went three wide receivers and one back, but I'm not sh- I don't remember how much no huddle they really did. So this this whole fast-paced style, I know it can certainly be taxing on your own defense if you go three and out, and that was obviously a huge problem for Miami this year, uh, finishing last in, th- in the third down percentage, or 129th out of 130 teams. Um how uh, when, when you were sitting in on those meetings i'm curious how often like what, what was sort of the goal for lashley and, and and sunny dykes in terms of how quickly they wanted to snap the ball between plays was it like 12 seconds 15 seconds i mean what was sort of the conversation as far as how quickly they're getting the snap off between plays yeah i, I don't remember any i don't remember a specific amount about it but but it, it was it was just like that just like i said like it doesn't even it's it's however quick they get to the line is however quick they're going to snap the ball and that that's why it was so important for them to you know look back so quickly because that's that's what they want to do and that that first year 
I, I think SMU had like five healthy offensive linemen in that first spring practice, uh, spring camp. They were really, really thin at the line, and that that um, that affected the installation a bit because sometimes they had to go without offensive linemen or you had to, to rotate different guys. So uh, the, the the personnel is is such a huge part of this. And I know coming from the Gus Malzahn tree, you'd think uh, they got to have a running quarterback. That's not necessarily the case. I mean, Shane Bouchel ran when he needed to. He technically had 64 carries, but that includes sacks, but it was 1.6 yards per carry. This isn't, this wasn't, um, wasn't exactly Nick Marshall out there or something like that. So uh, if they have a quarterback that his strength is much more as passing than his running, then that's what they're going to do. If it's, if it's, 50-50, he's, he's going to adjust to that too. So I, I fully expect to whoever's in at quarterback, whoever they feel is uh, fitting that offense best, they will tailor the, the run-pass ratio uh, for the quarterback to, to whoever they have. I actually had, uh, as we're sitting here having this conversation, people have been asking me questions on Twitter, so I almost feel like I should throw them at you as I get them. <laughs> One of them, was, it was, I think it's a pretty good question. Does, does Lashley operate as the offensive coordinator from the sideline or in the booth? Um, obviously you haven't been there for every year that he's coached, but uh, when he was at SMU, what did he do? He, he was on the sideline for SMU, uh, constantly talking with the quarterback right there on the sideline. I think he likes that um, uh, that ability, face-to-face conversation. So uh, uh, sideline when he was at SMU. Okay. Um, Mike, uh, I know you're obviously a big Miami fan. Uh, I'm sure you've got questions for Chris and, and me regarding this whole thing. Chris would be more of an expert having having obviously known Rhett. Uh, any questions from your perspective? Well, I, I guess one of my questions would be, you know, we, we saw Miami's offensive line really struggle this season. Is Lashley's scheme and type of offense one that's fit to maybe help them? You know, quick releases maybe might help the offensive line. Um, you know, how how will Lashley's offense really help one of the biggest weaknesses on the team? Yeah, I mean, that that's certainly part of it. Like I said, that first year, they didn't have much uh, offensive line-wise. The second year, they, they felt a lot better about the pieces that they brought in. Um, and then, the, you know, the numbers got better. They had, a, like I said, 1,200-yard 12, 12 rusher, 500-yard rusher. Um, I, I think, yeah, if, if offensive line is an issue and they can't hold up, you're going to see quicker plays. You're going to see uh, uh, s- some read plays and stuff like that to try to make up for uh, uh, any deficiencies uh, you probably have there. Yeah, I think uh, I think Miami, obviously, I mean, they, they started two true freshmen on the offensive line this past season. They're expecting both of those guys to improve, and I know they're obviously trying to address some of their offensive line needs through the transfer portal, uh, looking at a couple kids out of Stanford and a couple of other places. Uh, we'll see what they end up getting here uh, before the February signing day. But, uh, Chris, I appreciate you coming on, man, and, and, and providing uh, some instant feedback, uh, knowing Rhett Lashley really well and knowing that SMU program and how that offense ran and some great insight. And I really appreciate you helping me uh, confirm the news earlier today. You did a great job. Yeah, no problem, man. Great teamwork. Take it easy. All right, so that's going to wrap up this bonus episode of the Wide Right Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Manny underscore Navarro, or at the Wide Right Pod uh, Twitter account. That's at Wide, wide Right Pod. Uh, make sure to send questions there or to Manny underscore Navarro. Uh, we'll be following uh, the Hurricanes news as it progresses here. We'll find out if there's going to be changes to the offensive coaching staff. There always usually is, usually offensive line coach and, and a new offensive coordinator come in hand-in-hand. 
Um, we'll see if there'll be any other changes at receivers, coach, etc. Um, and and then we'll also see where this uh, Alonzo Highsmith story goes. A uh, lot of noise out there about him potentially still having some sort of role at the University of Miami after being fired by the Cleveland Browns earlier this week. I know that's really interesting you, Mike Zimmerman, and, and we'll be talking about that in the days ahead. But for now, that's going to wrap up this episode. For Mike, uh, for Chris Vanini, uh, I'm Manny Navarro. We will talk to you soon. Proving it, O-line, young and mean, ready to bust you in your teeth, triple threat tattoo real, got your defense on their heels, come to the hard rock, ain't no discussion, just deal with the repercussions.